Enjoy hearing family sing. It's fantastic. I enjoy that. I'm going to uh, read a passage. Do it, Joe Beth. You want to come up here and get ready? I just love being in church because I can tell her what to do and she obeys. All right. <laughs> I mean, uh, Psalm chapter 37, if you want to go to Psalm chapter 37. Psalm chapter 37, if you look at verse 1, it says, A psalm of David, Fret not thyself because of evildoers, neither be thou envious against the workers of iniquity. For they shall soon be cut down like the grass and wither as the green herb. Trust in the Lord and do good. So shalt thou dwell in the land and verily thou shalt be fed. Delight thyself also in the Lord and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. Commit thy way unto the Lord. Trust also in him and he shall bring it to pass. I am... Um, going to preach tonight on delight and desire, delight and desire, uh, but to just to kind of kick it off, I want you to, come on up, Joe Beth, I want you to learn a psalm, many of you already know the psalm, but I want you to go to Psalm 19, Psalm 19, verse 7. When you look at it, how many of you know this little song? Uh, a few of you do. Psalm 119, verse 7, the law of the Lord is perfect. So, Jobeth is going to lead us in it, but I told her I'd let her do it this one time. I taught her how to do everything, so. Uh. The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. More to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold. Sweeter also than the honey and the honeycomb. You guys have to sing. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. More to be desired are they than gold, given much fine gold. Sweeter also than the honey and the honeycomb. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, given much fine gold. Sweeter also than the honey and the honeycomb. How many of you know it now? <laughs> and we're probably doing it a little bit different than you've done it before. And uh, it's okay. Just do it the way we do it. Okay? All right. Can we do it again? Yes. Got to sing loud, though. <laughs> okay, sing out. The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. More to be desired are they than gold, given much fine gold. Sweeter also than the honey. Statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. More to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold. Sweeter also than the honey and the honey. Fear of the Lord 
presence of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold given much fine gold. Sweeter also than the honey and the honeycomb. More to be desired are they than gold given much fine gold. Sweeter also than the honey and the honey. And I made a point not to turn my mic on until after we finished. Thank you. Yeah. I knew you would appreciate that. Give me something to try. All right. I, um, this little song, as much because it is a psalm and it's a song, but uh, it really speaks and it speaks the truth if you really sing through it. Uh, probably toward the end we'll... We'll sing through it again, but if you understand what it's saying and you feel and you sense what it's saying, it, it describes what God is talking about here when he says, delight thyself also in the Lord and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. God's command is to delight and then we will desire. That's God's command. Man desires and then he seeks to delight. And he will delight if he receives what he desires. But that's the whole crux of the thing is man has to get what he has already desired and then he might have some delight. Psalm 10 uh, verse 3 and 4 says, For the wicked boast of his heart's desire and blesseth the covetous whom the Lord abhorreth. The wicked through the pride of his countenance will not seek after God. God is not in all his thoughts. This, this, again, it is ties right into this, this verse 4. God is not in all his thoughts. Delight thyself also in the Lord. Uh, God's saying he needs to be in all your thoughts. He needs to be the preeminence. And so let's have a word of prayer. We'll get started. Father, I pray that you bless. Lord Jesus, thank you again for your goodness, your grace, your mercy. But Lord, right now, especially at this moment, we need your power. We need your presence. Holy Spirit of God, we need you to flow through this room. And, and Spirit of God, I need you desperately in, in my heart, my mind, and to guide my thoughts, to guide my words, and to, to direct me. Lord, I can do nothing without you. I need you desperately, as I always do. But, Lord, as I speak your word, I sense the, the, the needs in such a greater way even. And, Father, I pray that you please right now that you would send your spirit and to fill this place and anoint me with your spirit and that you would build a mighty hedge of protection. Wrap your arms around this place to guard us and protect us and to be a mighty hedge, your arms, a strong hedge uh, about us that we'd be under your wings and, and protected. And, Father, we ask you now in the name of Jesus that you be with us. Amen. It says the... Man often desires without delighting. Now, we, man can desire and delight if he receives what he de desires. But he, he, he desires without ever delighting when he fails to receive his desires. So man lives in misery. If he, he has this desire and it's never fulfilled, then he never has that delight. He's always in that reaching. He's always in that gnawing. He's always in that hunger for something else. And, uh, and hopefully we're going to grasp both of the truth here tonight. Uh, we got all stages of Christianity in here tonight, but, but we need to understand that, that God says delight first and then the desire comes. He also, man also finds that he desire, his desire, when his desire is not fulfilled, uh, he does not have, de, does, does not have delight. And when he that which he finds and that which is he receives. Yeah, he desired it, he received it, but he finds it does not fulfill. Uh, so often, we, man, we want something so badly. Uh, anybody ever seen a car that you really wanted? Uh, okay, let me rephrase this, man. Anybody ever seen a truck that you really wanted? Okay, uh, and it's amazing. You can get that. Thing. I, I finally, I, you know, I went for about 25 years and didn't have a truck. I mean, it's just not right. 
You know, it's just not right for a woman to do that to a man. And, uh, but I went about 25 years without a truck. I just, you know, I went 15 years without hunting or fishing. If something happened to me, but, but I really did, but I just, you know, six daughters, what do you do? You know, uh, they just, I tried my best to get one of them to be a deer hunter, but she just didn't want to. And so, uh, no, I, I didn't know anything about it. I had no place to go and no money to go. And, and honestly, I was kind of weird, one of those weird guys. I love outdoors. I love hunting and fishing. But when it came down to the choice, I'd rather be with my family. And so I'd rather be with them than be out two or three days with some old guys who didn't shave and stink. And so, uh, uh, and especially the ones that put on stuff to make themselves stink for no reason. I mean, like, hey, man, I don't have to put that on for a deer to come by. If that's what it takes, just, you know, I don't want him in love with me. I just want him to walk by, you know. I want to kill him. And so uh, fact is, is that, you know, I went there. But 25 years without, without a truck, well, finally, finally, they gave me, I, I, I'm going to, I got this car allowance. I, I don't forget what, I think it's 2006. I became vice president of the college. And, uh, and so I had a, this car allowance, and I kind of got a little bit of a raise. And, and so I sold the car I had, and, and I went, and I had my assistant. He searched and searched and searched. He was buying and selling cars. So he found me a, a burnt orange avalanche. It was used very uh, <laughs> And I got it for what I thought was a credible price, and it really was. It had 55,000 miles on it, and I got it for about, a, you know, I don't know, maybe about 25% of what they, they sell for new. And, and so I'd never spent that much for anything, but I mean, I, I, I got an avalanche, and it was the most beautiful thing. It rode like a dream. It was incredible. And I had it about three months when the gas prices went up. <laughs> and suddenly realized that in the city, Watch this now. Do you know what an avalanche gets in the city? City driving? Watch this. I'm not waving at you. Five miles a gallon. And gas was going up to about four bucks a gallon. Five miles a gallon. Hey, if I took it on the interstate, I could get 11. 11 miles a gallon. I thought, in 25 years, I desired this thing so bad. It's going to be so wonderful. I hated it. It took me about $120 to put gas in it and fill it up. It was crazy. You know, because you want it so badly. And you get it, and 30 minutes after you get it, somebody scratches it. You get it, and you're driving home after you get it, and your, your children drop food all over everything in the floor and, and they don't tell you about it. They mash it in really good. It's like they try to hide it in the carpet, you know? And so it, it, you, desire, you desired it so much and suddenly that which you desired so much really didn't fulfill. Just doesn't. There are two ways to be happy. And this is a great truth that I learned a long, long time. I said, no, I learned. I, I learned the statement. I'm learning the truth, okay? This truth. It, you can get what you desire or you can desire what you already have. You know what I'm saying? You, or here, they say it this way. Uh, you, you can be happy by getting what you want or you can truly be happy by wanting what you have. If all you want is what you already got, then you're happy. I got a buddy of mine, and he's, um, and he, you know, effectually, now he's always cash broke, but he owns probably a couple million dollars worth of property. So he's, you know, I, I suppose he's a fairly rich guy, and uh, and he truthfully, he's done some pretty pretty nice things for me over the over the years. But I'll be with him, and you know, riding around in his truck, and uh, and I'll be riding around, and 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 uh, back there, when I, especially when we live close to each other, and we'd ride around and. And, and we'd start joking about, man, you know, uh, this, you know, got this, this, you know, we go shopping, you know, he, he loves to hunt and fish and talk about this rod and reel or, or this gun or this. And he would always make this statement, look at that, man, it's like, wow, wish, love to have that. And he said, yeah, if we had that, then we'd be happy. And then we, we'd talk about, well, if you get this, yeah, and you, if we got that, then we'd be happy, huh? You know, he was being incredibly sarcastic. What he was saying was, you know, I've got a couple million dollars and that's not what makes you happy. Amen. 
Because if that's what's going to make you happy, it's going to take more to make you happy. And always more, and always more, and always reaching. And God says there's another way. We got it. Now we can be happy. And that you can if what you got right now will make you happy. Of course, the statement is one of sarcasm uh, that he made to me. But happiness and joy come when you delight in the Lord. And watch this. And, and for some of you, this is old hat, but... but you know, some it's not. When this says, when you, if you delight yourself also, we'll talk about that also in a minute, also in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. What God is, is saying is not that you delight yourself in the Lord, and this is what they preach a lot. He give you desire, he'll give you all the things you want. You know, the health and wealth gospel, he'll, man, you want a, a, a guitar, he's going to give you a guitar. You want a car, he's going to give you a car. He want a truck. You know, if you, man, if I just come to church and I pray and I read my Bible, God's going to give me everything I want. And that's not what he's saying. God's saying, if you will delight yourself in the Lord, he will give you the desires to have. The desire. He will give you what to desire. He will place in your heart what you ought to desire. It's not, I want this and God's going to give it to me. No, God says, you delight in me and I'll tell you what you want. I'll give, I'll put it in your heart what you really want. And, and listen, when you get in church and when I, when I was uh, back here and living here, I, I was on the, on the police department and, and got under such conviction, such turmoil in my life, and, and I didn't know it at the time, but God was getting ready to move me to go to Bible college, and, a, and about a year before that, I just thought, okay, I've got to leave the police department. I've got to leave this because uh, you, know, you got to have more money, and you got to have a better income, and you got to have a nicer house, and you got to have a nicer car, you know, because that's what everything I've been programmed for. That's your success. That's, that's how you're going to be happy, and so I left the police department. I went to uh, a, a retail business, and uh, is Bedours Incorporated. Fred's store is a superstore right over here on Getwell Road. None of you remember that probably, but there was over here on Getwell Road. And, and I ended up in 13 months, I got five promotions in 13 months. 13 months went from stocking shelves, learning the retail business, stocking shelves. 13 months later, I was the operations manager of the largest store in their, I think it's 265 store chain, the superstore that they had. And, and, and I had 125 employees and I walked in, Joe Beth will tell you, I walked in one day and I looked at her and I said, right after I got that fifth raise and that fifth promotion, I said, it's not the money, it's not the things, it's not the position. God wants something for me. And she can tell you, I was in horrible turmoil until I realized God wanted me to give up my desires so that he could give me desires. When we delight, the Lord's delights become our delights. Delight thyself also in the Lord and he shall give you the desires of thy heart. The word delight Here's a Hebrew word that is only used about a half dozen times in the Bible, and the word means something. It is really strange. When you look it up, it means delicate or soft. Oh, no, that's, that's kind of a strange thing. Until you realize that this, this word is used uh, in Isaiah 66, 11. It's used in that little passage uh, to depict a nursing child who delights in his mother. And it was amazing. When I saw that, I thought, that's what the Lord's saying. He wants us as a child to, to delight in him such a way that we find incredible comfort, nourishment. It also is it used in Isaiah 30, uh, 13, 22. It uses of the, the luxuries, the, 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 the little delicacies that are found in palaces. Delight may be in people or in things or in various experience, but a delight is not merely a, a discipline. It's not merely, merely an act to the will. When you delight in something, your thoughts, listen to this, when God's talking about delight, your thoughts are constantly turning to it. You think of it early, often, and late. God's saying that, that when you delight in him, that means you wake up thinking about him. Amen. When you delight in him, that means when you're getting ready to go to bed, you think about him. 
When you delight in him, that means as you're walking through your day, you're thinking about him. Hey, when you, when you delight in him, it's not just in a crisis. When you delight in him, it's, it's just, you know, Lord, I just need to talk to you. And I told the men, uh, I wanted to meet with them to pray. And I'll be honest with you, as they walked in, I said, I don't know why you're here. God just told me we needed to gather to talk to him. You know why? There's something boiling up inside that I want to delight in him. And I want everybody gathered around me delighting in him. I, sometimes I just, my wife will tell you, you know, at night it's, I disappear. I disappear because I just, I got to get out here where I can talk to him. You got to delight in the Lord. You got to be want. It's wanting, desiring, thinking of Him often, thinking of Him early, thinking of Him late. It makes you smile to think of it. It, it makes you. It cheers your heart uh, when other things would oppress you. You know when when you get overwhelmed, but you delight in the Lord, He will bring you peace. You do all that you do regarding it. Purely because it is your delight. A person's delight may be found in a number of things, but the Bible commands us to find delight in the Lord. Doesn't ever tell us delight in anything else, delight in the Lord. That same delight that we try to find in so many things, we are to find in Him. Now, we, we seek it in so many things, but nothing, nothing is going to give us the delight that God will give us when we seek Him. Years ago, Corey Tim Room, and she's written some, I don't know how many books, but I know I, I read one of her books. Corey Tim Boom made the statement. She said, look around you, and you'll be distressed. Look within you, and you'll be depressed. Look to the Lord, and you'll be at rest. And that's really the truth. The most discouraging thing that I do is look at me. I mean, when I look inside me, when I make blunders, I really, it just bothers me. And, and my wife always says, Rob, you're your own worst enemy. And I, I just, I look inside and I think, man, how could God even care about me? I'm just, I'm just a mess. But when you look at him, everything changes. It just changes. Many delight in wealth and status and material possessions and other tempor temporary things of this world. You know, the, these, they're fighting for the presidency and every, you know, they're fighting for the millions of dollars and they're fighting for power and they're all fighting for happiness and they're all thinking if they get to do this, if they get that position, if they get this, you know, they, they get elected to this. There's, there's this guy who was up in, in Hammond and every year I, I was uh, uh, the uh, Sunday school teacher to an adult Sunday school class for about 12 years and it's a rather, rather large couples class and and this guy, uh, every, seemed like every two years, you know, for about 12 years, he was going to run for some office, you know, some city council or some something, and he would come back into my Sunday school class uh, because we were there. Most of the people in that area were going to be able to vote for him, and he was a really good guy. He was really a nice guy. Uh, he was never going to show up except when election, but, but he, was, he was really nice guy, good guy. Uh, but but, you know, he was just one of those guys that I just like, I know unless somebody's retarded, they're not voting for you, okay? I mean, you're a good guy, but you're clueless, okay? And so it's not going to happen. You're never going to win. I don't care what you do or how many times you run. It's never, but this whole guy, his life was just eaten up with he had to win. He had to get in office. Now, I think it's because once you get in, it's like they pay you the rest of your life, you know, for whatever. And so, but, but uh, you know, he really was. He was a nice guy, good guy, but it was just he sought after something. And, and I believe today he's probably still trying to run for something. He's still trying to get in there. And, you know what? He's probably miserable after every election. Temporary things. They never truly get what they want, therefore they are always wanting more. No matter how much they get, it's not enough. 
This is a lesson that Solomon learned in the pursuit of his earthly treasures. When he said in Ecclesiastes 1-2, Vanity of vanities, saith the preacher, Vanity of vanities, all is vanity. It's just vanity of vanities, vanity of vanities, all is vanity. You know what that is? Empty. Everything's empty. You know what he said? I've sought after all kinds of things. I've got every possession. I'm the richest man that had ever lived. I've had more than anybody's ever had. And he said, it's empty. It's purposeless. So what are you saying to his brother? I'm saying we got to focus on God. You got to focus on God. I'll be honest with you, I've seen, and you know, we had, we've had quite a few that have, that have come to church here uh, since I've come in, and, 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 uh, and that's been thrilling. But I've seen in some, almost in their eyes, where, where forgive me, but uh, the, the newness and excitement of coming to church and God's blessing is kind of worn off. But can I tell you, if you delight in the Lord, it never wears off. Okay? It never wears out. Never. It never. You delight in the Lord and it's just, it's always there. It's always good and it always gets better. Down to Mrs. Hansen. Yes, it does. And that's the lady that has delighted in the Lord. You see, Solomon had everything, and said it was all empty. On the other hand, delighting in the Lord is true treasure indeed. The scripture says in Timothy 6, 6, 1 Timothy 6, 6, is godliness with contentment is great gain. You know, when you seek the Lord, you seek to know him, you seek to, that's, that's, that's everything. That's, that's incredible, incredible gain. 30, Psalm 37, 4 says, Delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. Uh, this word delight, what does it mean? It, it, it means one uh, uh, might identify the delight this way. It, it's what happens when there is excitement inside, a tingle, a spark. When, when you're doing what you really love to do or you're with someone you really love to, to be with, uh, you just, it, it, that's the delight. It's just something inside of you. It's just, it's so good. I'll be honest with you. There are times that I walk and pray and it's not there. And, I, and can I tell you, I, I, I beg God for tears and I beg God, please God, let it come back. God, please, I don't want to be distant from you. I want to delight in you in such a way that I feel it inside of me, that I feel my chest about to ready to explode. Can I tell you, I, that little woman right there, I pick at her, I play at her, I, but every moment that I get away, I, I went away for 24 hours, and when I came out to the airport, it's just like I've been away for, for six months because I want to be with her. I hate leaving until she has something for me to do, but then I... And God says, whatever feeling you have there for him is supposed to be above that, superior to that. You know, I always said this about people who would say to me, how did you know? You know, you just knew Joe Beth was, was the one for you. And I would, I would say, and I've been saying it ever since I, I met her, people would ask me this question, and I would say, every girl I ever Dated, ever with. And, of course, you know, I was the pick of Memphis. So uh, it's hard to even count. Um, but, but the fact is, is that every one of them, I traveled a lot back then. I went to ball games, and I went out of town all the time. And, and, and I would travel. I would, I, would, I would say goodbye to them, and I'd get on a bus and go someplace, or I'd get on a plane and go someplace. And, and while I was gone, my memory of them was, was so good. And then I came back, and being with them never lived up to my memory of them. Does that make sense to you? I mean, I had this image, this perfection, and I get back with them, and it's like, nah, you know, I kind of see the warts now. You know what I mean? It's just like, one of them, it was just the perfume. It's just like, gag. Uh, you know, 
uh, one of them that came back, and, and she, it's like, you know, what you do, just go buy a, a whole makeup store, you know, because it was like three and a half inches thick here, you know, just, and I think, I, I just stuff to just turn me off. With Joe Beth, when I, first time I ever traveled, I took off from her, and the whole time I was trying to imagine her in my mind. But I could never bring an image of her into my mind that was anywhere close to being as beautiful as being with her. Isn't that cool? All the women just went, ah. And all the men just went, ah. (laughs) Now, it was true, though. I mean, I would try to think of what she looked like. I would try to think of her smile. I would try to think, and I just like, uh, it was, but it just didn't live up to when I saw her again. It was incredible. And you know, it ought to be that when we're away from the Lord and we're trying to, I think sometimes we are away from him. We think, oh, he's so wonderful. He's so good. I hear Chris, you know, they, they, a lot of the churches, oh, they're just all talking about the Lord. Live like the devil, but, oh, the God's so good. He's so wonderful. He's gracious. He's good. And I'm going to go out and drink. Okay, well, da-da-da-da. But, you know, the truth is, it ought to be that when I'm away from him, I shouldn't be even to imagine how good it is to be with him. And the truth is, when you get back with him and you desire him, that is beyond anything you've ever known. I preach sometimes and I feel like I'm not making sense. But I know what's in my heart and I hope you're grasping a little bit. This, this, this delight means to be happy about, to take exquisite delight, to make merry over. One writer put it, delight in the Lord means to delight in the character, will, and ways of God. But our verse tells us to delight thyself also in the Lord. And he will give thee the desires of that heart. But I think in order to really fully understand what he's saying in verse 4, delight thyself also in the Lord, and he will give thee the desires of that heart. I believe you have to go back and understand verses 1, 2, 3, and maybe even 5. Because verse 1 says, fret not thyself because of evildoers. Neither be thou envious against the workers of iniquity. So God starts off saying, don't fret because of evil men or be envious of those who do wrong, uh, even though they, you know, they may prosper. You know, sometimes we'll, we'll think, and, and, and I'm like everybody else, sometimes I think, Lord, why is it that the wicked just seem to prosper so much? Why is it that, that the evil just seem to get away with everything? Why is it that, that there's just no judgment and, you know, of course, there's good that God's patient about judgment or else we'd be judged. But, I, but you just look at that and you think, how is it just, at times it'll seem unfair. How they get away with stuff. And here I am, a faithful Christian, I have to suffer or I have to be poor or I have to be sick. Or, uh, you know, it's just, the, the truth is, we have to, when the devil starts to put that kind of stuff in our minds, we got to look back at the scripture and understand that God said, uh, said to us, not fret not thyself because of evildoers. Don't let that concern you. Don't let that worry. Don't be envious of them. Listen, they, they have nothing. We have everything. We have an opportunity of a relationship with God Almighty. He says in verse 2, For they 
shall soon be cut down like the grass and withers the green, green herb. Now, it doesn't happen that fast to us. In God's mind, in God's time, that's how fast it happens. But us, it seems so slow. But verse 3 says, Trust in the Lord and do good, so shalt thou dwell in the land, and verily thou shalt be fed. God says, Trust in me. He says, Don't worry about what's going on in this old world. And I told this fellow the other day, Don't worry about all the evil out there. Understand, trust Almighty God, who's ultimately in control. He says, so trust me and do good. Trusting is the way, is so much a better way than, than worrying. And if we truly trust, we can finally stop worrying. And that's what he said, don't fret, trust. Trusting will always affect your actions. Trust brings positive activity, good. He says, trust and do good. Verse 5 says, commit thy way unto the Lord. Trust also in him and he shall bring it to pass. Now look at verse, between verses 3 and verse 4. He says, delight thyself also in the Lord. Also what? What do you mean? Also, also trust and also delight. That's what God's saying for us to do. Delight thyself also in the Lord. This is really a command, uh, not a command so much as an exhortation. God's pleading with us. What happens when we delight in God? He will give you the desires of your heart. Everything that you really want in life, he'll give it to you. But here's the thing. He'll give you what to want. Someone wrote that this is what they call a dynamic partnership between God and man. Man delights, God gives. Now, the word heart means our flesh, our desires for superficial worldly things, things that don't last. Heart desires are for spiritual things uh, that that lasting heavenly things and God says you got two two different choices that you can make here you can live by the flesh or you can live by the heart he'll give you the desires of your heart this is a little statement I have here God wants us to trust in him and also delight in him and we will not delight in him until we tr truly trust in him I hope you get this. We won't delight in him until we trust in him. And we will not continue to trust in him unless we continue to delight in him. It's a circle. God says, delight in me and your trust will grow. Trust in me and you can delight in me. Continue to delight in me and your trust will grow. Continue to trust in me and you'll continue to delight in me. So it's just, it's a... Just a cycle that God gives us. Let me ask you some questions, and we're about done. But let me ask you questions. Is your relationship with God cold and lifeless? That's the question. That's the first question. Is your relationship with God a systematic relationship? Is, is, is it a business relationship? Is it a Is it an obligation? I couldn't get the word out that I wanted to say. Has the, here's the question. Is your walk with God an on-again and off-again experience? God says to delight in him. And can I tell you, you'll run into marriage troubles when you are on and off with your relationship. You know, today I want to be with her, and tomorrow I don't want to be with her. I was at, at the baggage claim last night. And it's amazing how you can see, you can see the marriages that are in trouble and the marriages that are okay. The marriages that are okay, they get, the, the woman's there and she's standing next to her husband and, and he's saying, honey, I, I got that, I got that. And, you know, he pulls it over here and, and she said, I'll, you know, I'll watch it over here, baby. And he goes over there and he's grabbing this stuff and he's doing, he's putting it all over. The ones that are hurting, I watched, I stood right beside one of them. She came up and she said, uh, uh, you know, he's grabbing for a bag. She said, are you sure that's our bag? And he, he just looked at her and he said, uh, look, it looks like all the rest of them. I got a thousand of them, so just I'm taking care of it. I thought, this ain't going to last long. We're in trouble here. Now, they might have just had a really bad day, but at this moment, he's not delighting in her. 
Now, from what she looked like, I wouldn't have either. But the fact is, <laughs> he's not delighting in her. And when you don't delight, you're going to have to be running into problems. Is your relationship with God cold and lifeless? Is your walk with God an on-again, off-again experience? Has the busyness of your daily schedule... Now, this is watch, and, and I'm going to beg you, talk to me. I do not want people that run their legs off for God at the expense of delighting in God. Okay? I want you to delight in God. I don't want you to come to church and it's like, oh, I'm so tired, I'm so weary, and we got to go there again. You say you don't want me to come? No, I just want you to send your tithe um, no, I'll, of course I want you to be here, but I want you to come with the right spirit. They say, you want me to come and I don't have the right spirit? No, you come and I'll get you in the right spirit. No, I want you to come. Well, you know what I'm trying to say. What I'm trying to say is, is that we, we can get to the point where we're going through the motions that we're just running, 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 and we're doing everything we're supposed to do, but we're miserable doing it. That's not what God wants. You say, what's the solution? I'm about to give you that. I'm going to give them some points, Jill Beth. She likes it when I give points. All right. Have the burdens of your labor and the sorrows of your losses caused you to feel that the love of the Lord has been removed from you? Now, if it has, we're struggling with our delight. But how? I'm going to give you five things in about four minutes of how you can help yourself to delight in the Lord. Number one, association. If you're writing anything down, association. Here's what I mean by that. Get with other people who are excited about Jesus. Associate with people who are excited about Jesus. Jay, we talked about this. You see those people, that you're just like, they're kind of distancing themselves from you. That's because you're excited about Jesus, and they're not. That's right. And so you say, man, you know, I hate to lose them. But let me tell you, your associations affect your spirit. And so get with other people who are excited about Jesus. Get with other people who also delight in the Lord. Again, why would I, I, I ask all the men to gather together? Because when we gather together and pray, that's a bunch of men who delight in the Lord. And if you find that there's other people delight in the Lord, it just helps you to delight in the Lord, and that association helps you. Let their enthusiasm rub off on you. And watch this. It wouldn't hurt if you found some enthusiasm to rub off on them. Okay? I'm ready for a hug before I get done now. Number two, disassociation. Association, disassociation. There are people and places and things that you have to disassociate with if you are going to keep your mind on Christ. Just face it, accept that there's some things you can't do anymore. Why? You legalist? No, I want to desire, I want to delight in the Lord. And the people and places that I can go, that I used to go, they don't delight in the Lord. And that doesn't bring me to thinking about God. It takes me away. I got to disassociate. And I've done that with Fellow preachers, man, you get those guys that after a conference, they want to go to a restaurant for the next three hours, tech, talk about people, rip people up. I, I took a guy, I was hosting a guy one night, and I took him to a restaurant, about 16 preachers out there. And man, I never heard people tear people up so much in my life. I got up and I looked at the man and I said, sir, God bless you. I was assigned to host you, but can you find a ride home? Because I'm leaving. You say, you did that? Yeah, I did. I still got a little redneck in me. 
Number three, clarification. Clarification. You need to ask the Holy Spirit to help you see clearly and discern those things in people that take you toward the love of God and those who don't. Because some of them are sneaky. There was a, a preacher I had, like a best buddy at the college for years. And I was sitting in chapel one day, and I thought, you know, I go to chapel feeling good every day. And by the time I get done with about 45 minutes sitting beside this guy, I feel depressed. And I got a feeling, you watch this now, I got a feeling he felt the same way. Because we would start to talk about everything wrong in the world. And I looked at him and I said, you know what? We need to sit different places. We're not good for each other. You're my buddy. I'll pray for you. I want to do anything I can for you. But you know, we just don't help. It's like two guys that worked with, and I said four minutes, I lied. So the, uh, uh, I had two guys that worked with me in the Salem Ministries, young boys, and they were, they were the hardest working boys you've ever seen. They were really good guys. Both of them are pretty much known around the nation right now. One really is known around the nation right now. And they were good workers. They were good producers. They were good at everything. But here's the problem. If you ever let those two come together and visit on the base, they wouldn't get nothing done because they enjoyed each other too much. I told them one morning, I said, fellas, I told all the men, I said, we got to go hard today. I mean, this is an important day today, and we got to go hard. So I'm asking you, fellas, I want you to get on that base, and, and my goal every Saturday is you gotta, we got to talk to at least, invite at least 100 sailors before we walk off that base. And I'm talking about each individual, invite 100 sailors before we walk off that base. And, and I said, you got to go after it. And I said, man, don't even stop and get a drink at McDonald's until you've, you've talked to at least 100. I mean, go for me. I went on the base. I was there about 30 minutes, and I couldn't, I was looking for one one of those boys, and, and, and I saw a sailor that knew him, and I said, hey, have you seen so-and-so? He said, yeah, he's with so-and-so, and immediately I went, oh, no, that's a bad situation, and then I said, Where, where'd you see him? He said, they were getting in a car with golf clubs. I just begged them, give me your all today, and those two knuckleheads got in a car with a couple of sailors and went and played golf. Were they bad guys? They're great. They're preachers. They're really good guys. They just, not, they just enjoyed each other too much. You need discernment. Make sure who you hang around. Uh, number four, meditation. Meditation. And understand, meditation is not, okay. Look, if you're trying to empty your mind, if you're one of those people, don't even try. It already is. The... Uh, Meditation is not emptying your mind in order to experience some special state of ecstasy. God, biblical meditation is filling your mind with the Word of God. Psalm 119.97 says, Oh, how I love thy law. It is my meditation all the day. Oh, how I love thy law. It is my meditation all the day. Number five, and I'm done for communication. Communication. Talk to God. Talk to God. Prayer isn't the satisfaction of some religious duty or obligation. Prayer is not the fulfillment of a ritual. You know, you've heard the absence, that absence makes the heart grow fonder. That doesn't work with God. We must be constant in communication with God. In this generation, it seems everyone is in a frantic rush to get connected through the information aid technologies. And I wonder if it comes from a fear of being alone. When we're connected with God, that fear goes away. You don't mind being alone. You don't even feel like you're alone when you actually connect with God. So the question comes, how are we doing? What delights you? What do you light in? Ladies, is it chocolate? Fellas, is it sports? Is it cars? Is it women? Is it your garden? She looked down. 
Is your camping trailer, your camping gear, your hunting gear, your fishing, is it your television? Is it your computer? Is it your shopping? What delights you? Delight thyself also in the Lord. And he shall give you the desires of your heart. I, uh, it's just a challenge. You have to answer those questions. How are you doing? Are you struggling? Let me help you. It happens to us. I wish, you, I wish from the time I got saved it was this, but it's not. I go through ups and downs, and I go through sometimes where I just say, Lord, please, you got you to speak to me. I'm struggling right now. I just, I got to, I got to, I feel like we're distant. You say, Brother Hooker, what would cause you to be distant? Let me just help you. There's a lot of things that will cause you to be distant. Sin can cause you to be distant. Desiring everything else other than God can cause you to be distant when your mind is really focused on everything else. But let me just help you too. Sometimes you feel distant, and I really believe this. I can't prove it. I'm going to prove it in heaven, I believe. Sometimes God allows you to feel distant because he wants to know, do you want him enough to keep seeking him even if you're not hearing him? What he's saying is, are you going to keep delighting in me even though I don't do everything the way you want? I don't fulfill your heart? Ms. Hansen, even though I don't heal, not you, but I believe he has you. You still feeling good? Praise the Lord. God wants your relationship more than we want it. And he wants it so bad, he says, you know what? If you'll delight in me, I'll give you the desires. I'll give you what desires to have, and then I will fulfill those desires. And that's true happiness. That's true joy. I was going to have Joe Beth lead you all in the song again, but she took too long the first time. So, no. How are you doing? Now, as usual, if, if there's anybody in this room that's not saved and that's can't delight in God until we know Him, until we have a relationship with Him, that's foundational that you know 100% sure. Like I said this morning, the door, it's open tonight. If you don't know Christ, it's open to come to him and to trust him. But if you're saved in here, and I'd like to think most are, we gotta, we got to really look inside of us and say, where am I tonight? Not where was I a week ago, where am I right now? Am I delighting in God? Father, I pray that you bless, Lord Jesus. I